All right, social media family. Thank you once again for joining us for another installment of A Better Way to Pray. Now, we are on lesson seven tonight. Lesson seven. Now, I'm going to say the title. It's going to sound a little, a little funny. The title is Repent, God Repent. Repent, God Repent. Now, when you, you hear that word repentance, you don't necessarily associate that with God. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So we got to bring some context to this. All right. So let's go to Genesis 18. Genesis 18. And we look at verses 23 to 25. Genesis 18, verses 23 to 25. And I'll come from the... I'll come from the King James. Genesis 18, 23 and 25. And it reads this way. And Abraham drew near... And said, Wilt thou also des destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure, there be fifty righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the fifty righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked that be far from thee shall not the judge of all the earth do right okay now what do we see here in these verses see abraham sticking his neck out <laughs> you see he's telling god <laughs> right right so and the lord said come let us reason together <laughs> right okay you also see Abraham knowing the heart of God. He he mm -hmm. shows that relationship. Mm -hmm. Good. That's good. And see, we 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 can't ever get away from the reality of, of that. How understanding the character of God opens up the door for healthy, fruitful interaction. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to keep reading I'm in, in the New Living Translation. Verse 26. And the Lord replied, If I find 50 righteous people in Sodom, I will spare their entire city, city for their sake. Then Abraham spoke again. Since I have begun, let me, let me speak further to my Lord. Even though I am but dust and ashes. Suppose there are only 55 righteous people rather than... Suppose there are only 45 righteous people rather than 50. Will you destroy the whole city for the lack of for lack of five? And the Lord said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 righteous people there. Verse 29. Then Abraham pressed his request further. Suppose there are only 40. Please don't be angry, my Lord. Abraham pleaded. Let me speak. Suppose only 30 righteous are found. And the Lord replied, I will not destroy it if I find 30. Verse 31. Then Abraham said, 
Since I have dared to speak to the Lord, let me continue. Suppose there are only 20. And the Lord replied, then I will not destroy it for the sake of the 20. Verse 32. Finally, Abraham said, Lord, please don't be angry with me. If I speak one more time, suppose only 10 are found there. The Lord replied, then I will not destroy it for the sake of the 10. When the Lord had finished his conversation with Abram, he went, he went his own way and Abraham returned to his tent. Now, he went from 50 all the way down to 10. But what did the Lord say? Yeah, like the way he was asking God, you're waiting for God to say, all right already. I get it. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that almost reminds me of like where Moses was talking to God at the burning bush. That always kind of makes me think the conversation's similar, different situations, but where, you know, um, you know, God was sending him, you know, back to Egypt and he's like, well, you know, I got the speech thing and then God's like, okay, okay, I'll send your brother with you. It's cool. You know, <laughs> he'll speak for you, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Okay. Talking real, you know. Okay. okay. But I think it also <coughs> gives us a, because, you know, sometimes I think we think, well, you know, certain things. Not too big for God to forgive. Have mercy on. But if it's this much, yeah, he has spare me. But if it's this much, yeah, he can't spare that, you know. So we see Abraham going, you know, dropping the number and and with God it's like, okay, you can find him no matter how many right people, okay. I think if Abraham would have went down to one, he was like, Okay, you can find one. Besides this we know we saw a lot in there. Mm -hmm. And he was spending it. So I think sometimes we said, okay, this is too huge. But we think God thinks the way, well, this is too much. But this amount, I'm okay with. Yeah. And the thing that gets me is this is Old Testament. Right. Mm -hmm. It's in Genesis. Mm -hmm. Right? It's under the Old Covenant. So you can see the mercy of God even under the old, even in the Old Testament. You can see His mercy being mm -hmm. extended here. And Mary said that in the beginning, uh, he, he knew, he knew God's heart. Yeah. That's good. Awesome to know Him that much, that to know His character, you know, and what He, you know, to know He, you know, probably you know react and stuff. He had to be comfortable with God to keep going back. Mm -hmm. Well, how about 45? How about 35? How about he had to really be comfortable with it? It would be lovely to the inflections of the voices. Like you said, it's like, yeah. Hey, what about this God? Right. Oh, that actually, you know. Right. Yeah. And this, and I'm, he's talking to the old covenant. Yeah. Father, right? Yeah. But the character of God is the same. Mm -hmm. His character didn't change. And if he was that good, I was thinking. Go ahead. I was thinking about um, in Hebrews where it de describes um, that faith is what pleases God. And I was thinking, this is a, a gorgeous story of that. Even though Abraham was asking it in question form, and I think honestly, 
felt very humble asking, it showed an awful lot of faith just to talk to God that way. And, and as you know, you just sense God's pleasure in, in this conversation as he, he willingly doesn't have any other words, but yes, even for that, I would do it. So the, the anger or the indignation, the indignation against the sin of Sodom was not greater than his desire to show mercy. Right. Mm -hmm. right. Now I'm going to jump on the outline here. It says, now this is kind of going in a little different direction. It says, most of us Christians don't understand that the establishment of the new covenant made a huge difference in the way everything works, including prayer. Abraham was able to beg and plead with God because it was different. It was a different covenant. Jesus hadn't atoned for our sins yet. The Lord was angry at sin in the old covenant, so it was okay for Abraham to pray the way he did. At the time of Sodom and Gomorrah, the Lord's wrath towards sin hadn't yet been satisfied. Now, we're under the new covenant, and God's anger towards sin has been appeased. That last point, point D. All right. Do you believe that? Yeah, all the judgment that should have gone on me went on Jesus. Because you appropriate it. I for sure believe it. But for the people who don't appropriate it, it's not so. I mean, it's been done, but if you don't appropriate it, it doesn't apply to you. Right. So you're going to be judged. Today, Mike Cash was talking about that on Healing Journeys today. He said that, um, you know, God gave us faith. And it's like, you have to have faith, like it's already done. But he was saying, um, like, if that if it was true, you know, it is done. But if everybody had, you know, we have to appropriate what you said. And the title of the message was actually... Um, cooperation or um, work or work, you know, or work. And he's like, we're not working when we, you know, receive our salvation or healing, whatever, you know, we're just cooperating what's already been done and appropriating what, you know, gets it mysterious, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Used to be a song that said, I, I owed a debt I could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. That was for us. That, that that's, that's, that's the nitty-gritty. That is. Now, what does that do for, for us, though, in, in a practical sense, having that understanding? And it, it connects back to something we were talking about before, before we, we started the study. Having that understanding that Jesus there, did. Therefore, therefore, now no condemnation. That's, that's where it boils down to. Mm -hmm. None, not at all. Right. And, what's, what's, you know, and what is the danger? In condemnation, what does it do? How does it hinder us? It affects the relationship. Yeah, it's destructive. Yeah, when the scripture says, you know, we can come <clears throat> before the throne boldly. Okay, I don't want to come before the throne. I feel condemned. If I feel like His anger is not appeased, then why am I gonna come before the throne? Make I don't your want heart him. You mm -hmm. Right. I don't want him to be angry. I don't want to be angry. I know I messed up. So therefore. You know, in in our head, we're ducking him. We're trying to avoid him. Any confrontation. Mm -hmm. 
It's like owing somebody a bunch of money you haven't seen them for a while. Exactly. You yeah. see, if you see them on that end of the store, you're gonna turn and walk to the other way. Right. <laughs> you know? That's right. That's right. See, yeah. see, Gene, though, I was going because that, that, because that's like a, it's, it's a very practical picture, right? You can just be going around your merry business, you know, and then you, you walk into food line, all right, to go get a loaf of bread and some, some, some you know, some, some sandwiches or something, and you see your cousin Earl. Earl the Pearl. Yeah. And you know you owe you know Earl a thousand dollars. That cousin. That one. And you don't you don't have a thousand dollars. And you ain't spoken to Earl since, you know, since last Christmas. Since you borrowed the money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you got something in your cart, you know, you got some little you got some treats and some little Debbies and all that type of stuff in your cart. It's like, oh my gosh. That's Earl right there. Now you ducking and dodging, trying to avoid him. <coughs> He's going to see you spending his money. Right. <laughs> well, junk food. Right. <laughs> you buying all this frivolous stuff in here with my, and you owe me a, you owe me a thousand dollars. What's wrong with you? Mm -hmm. Right. They just mess your whole countenance. Mm -hmm. You just leave your cart there and walk out to your car. <laughs> <laughs> so if we can feel like that on a human debt. Mm -hmm. How can that condemnation, how much more does that condemnation affect our ability to pray confidently to the Father? Mm -hmm. Right? And that, so that, yeah. that, that condemnation, that shame, guilt, and condemnation, that stuff is not no joke. All these people quit going to church, quit quit even praying, quit doing anything because they feel condemned. They go by those feelings rather than the, the, the facts. But it's, it's going to be hard to get away from that if you're, you're under a ministry that Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and you know, just constantly pour that into you. So it's hard to Some ministries control you through condemnation. Right, exactly. So yeah. if you're constantly getting that on a weekly basis, yeah. Then it's gonna be hard for you to uh, embrace what we just talked about. That hey, he's not mad at me anymore, he's not condemning me. Then when you don't go to church because you feel condemned, then you get condemned over that. Exactly. Yeah, well, you make sense because you, you condemn when you go to church and then you feel bad if you don't go to church and you know you need to go. Yeah, but if I go, then, you know, I'm going to hear how God, God's mad with me and upset with me and not pleased with me. So I really don't want to hear that because, you know, I'm doing the best I can. Well, you start talking to yourself and saying, I, I'm not worthy. I can't go in. Right, exactly. So therefore, yeah. so I, you yeah. kind of, yeah. you know, just... You know, um, in those passages of scripture with Abraham, it's like he's uh, he's kind of functioning as a as a mediator or kind of interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, he's kind of doing it successfully, mm. you know, to the point so he gets it down to 10. Of course, ultimately, we know what happens because there's not 10 there. Righteous there, but and then fast forward to the new covenant that we have, and um, I think it's in the God in the Gospel of Luke. I know it's recorded where uh, the disciples um, speaking to Jesus. They say basically they kind of reference the old covenant and the attitude God had. So we, you know, call fire down from heaven and consume them, you know, because, you know, they're not with us, basically. And then he rebukes them or corrects them and tells them, you, you don't know what spirit you of. 
because things have changed now, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it wasn't even referenced how many was righteous there. I mean, it, the whole town could have been just like Sodom and Gomorrah, but it's different now, you know, it's just like we are now, you know, we know we got all kinds of stuff going on now mm-hmm. and not just this country, but the world, but God is not angry at him. He's, he's, he's beckoning them to come to salvation and he wants us to extend that same favor or that same grace and that same love that he has towards people that are Sodom and Gomorrah type. Well, and, and to dovetail with that, I was thinking about it because I started back further and um, Lot was sitting at the gate when when the angels came into the city and and um you know and, and we know in psalm one those who sit with with sinners are are in trouble and and not considered righteous and, and so um i was just thinking you know the lord already is hinting at no there's none righteous not one in that city, even Lot, in the sense of his own personal um, choices and, and behavior, he's, it's already by faith. It's already for the sake of faith that he's willing to, to um, have this discussion and ultimately save Lot and, and his daughters. Right from the beginning. Everybody that God felt was was righteous there. He rescued everybody. He didn't leave anybody that that he he thought you know, he he took out the righteous according to that conversation. So which means he didn't leave anybody there that was uh not guilty. Right. That's kind of comforting to look forward, something bad happens and say I'm okay. You know, it's going to be all right. Because what was Abraham's righteousness based on? He believed God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. right. He's counted everything as righteousness. That's right. That's right. So it didn't matter how many Sunday school quarterlies he had um, mm-hmm. collected. Mm-hmm. Right. He had the pins, man, every, every yeah. Sunday for a year. Yeah. That, that, that wasn't part of the criteria. Mm-hmm. It's proved over and over in Scripture that... The more you try to be righteous on your own, the less you are because of the Pharisees and stuff, the way they did. I mean, they had like laws hung on laws hung on laws. And then what did they do? They ultimately, they missed the main point, you know, love and heart. Yeah, exactly. And Jesus had to come over. I've been there. You've been to a holiness church? If you can follow those rules they have, eventually you start pointing fingers at other people who are not. Oh, yeah. But that's, it's just human nature. Yeah. I agree with you on that because that's that's Good what you Jesus. do when you, you know, and you, you feel like you gotta be, you know, like you said you you under that ministry and right, you know right. when you feel like you've reached yep. that criteria or that land that mark, then the fingers, then come. you got your fingers come yep. out and says, okay, now I'm looking at everybody that's not where I'm at, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's like, okay, you know, something wrong with you and something wrong with you and something wrong with you because hey. You know, you just said, I used to do that, and I ain't doing that no more. So God was mad at me, he mad with you. 
And if you don't change, he's going to stay mad yeah. at you. Yeah. And, you know, there goes fine. Well, you know, if you die in that state, you're going to hell. And so now, you know, you're motivated by fear. Kind of, I'm scared to death. Because, yeah. you know, nobody wants to go to hell. It might have got any sense. But, um, yeah. yeah, it's just that. Pouring of the point in the finger. I remember witnessing that. the people and they said, I'm going to go to hell because all the bad girls are there. And I said, Man, you don't even know what you're talking about. You know? There are and people I, that yeah. say stuff like that. And I think I've told this story before. I remember when I was in that mindset and a girl on my job was saying, I just, I was just drilling her and just, you know, trying to get her to come to church and turn her life around and just was drilling her and just making her try to make her feel bad enough. To right, change. Right. And I remember she looked at me and she said, Well, if I ever do come to church, I'm not coming to yours. <laughs> she told me just like that. She said, I'm not coming to yours. <laughs> Based on what mm-hmm. I see how you are, I don't want to. She was probably saying, oh, I feel bad enough now if yeah, I go to a exactly. whole building full of people like you. Exactly. And so, <laughs> you know, back then I understand what you were saying. Now I do because mm-hmm. so now I understand how she feels. Mm hmm. <laughs> the scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Right. Now, if you're offering sour fruit, <laughs> right. then what, you know, what, what's the, what is the reaction going to be all right, to that bit of taste? I've been in the middle of being ministered to a mom knows what I'm talking about. Actually, her and I, kind of together but separately at a specific church. And I was really desperate at the time because I didn't know what I know. We know here now, you know, we're guided and... You know, freedom in Jesus and all that stuff. And anyways, the woman, one of the women in the group, the leaders was sitting there. And she started, like, saying something. I go, yeah, admit I'm struggling with whatever it was. And she goes, yeah, because I've been telling my husband, I've been watching. There's something wrong with that girl. That's what she said to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then afterwards, like, she still had, like, a really pious attitude with me. Like, like I was hanging around bad people or something. I wasn't. There was nothing to do with it. And you need to do this and this. And I'm th- and now, like at the time, I was like, okay, you know, you listen because you're desperate. You'll you're grasping at straws. But I was back and thinking, like Andrew does. Who made you God? You know, like okay, right. I'm glad you're holy. Like pray for me if you're perfect. You know, like yeah, you know that kind of thing. It's sad though. It doesn't mean you don't want to be a part of it. You know, it's true. If I go into a big room with a lot of people because of my background, the people that I'll be talking to before it's all over. Are hookers and bikers and drug addicts. I'm serious. They, 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 I track them, and uh, and because I, I know they I know what forgiveness is, and and they're the people that need to know they can be forgiven because they don't they don't think they can a lot of them. In your presence, you know, people can sense that stuff. You know, whether you're you know somebody who is gracious and understands the grace of God. And your, your need for it and their need for it and God's willingness to express it, right? Yeah. Versus the individual that is having a self-righteous, pious attitude. People can sense that stuff too, right? Because you're giving mm-hmm. off a certain energy. Yeah. Even people with that attitude, and I know they think they're coming from a place of love because their mindset, well, I don't want you to see you be lost. Mm-hmm. But the, you know, the approach is wrong. I think I remember hearing Bill Cosby talking about, I remember watching his show and he, he said that the, the presentation is important. It's important. He's, he used to, now he said, if I gave you your favorite, so he asked the guy, what is your favorite food? What's your favorite meal? Mm-hmm. 
And the guy said, you know, steak with tomatoes and stuff like that. And he said, now, he said, if I gave you that, but I gave it to you on, on a trash can lid, he says, the meal is still good, but the, the presentation is wrong. You know? And so, therefore, he said, you're not going to eat a T-bone steak, you know, with tomatoes and carrots and all that. You're not eating all the trash, but if I bring it to you in a silver platter, Mm-hmm. Okay. Now it looks appetizing, but on that trash can lid, no. So it's all about the presentation and how you reign the gospel to people when they receive it or not. But I think, you know, as he said, the holiness people are afraid that if I just talk love and talk about God, then they're not going to really receive it because they don't have enough. That's the way I want you to draw in power, you know, to make you scared. Right. And and see, and that and that's that's us placing confidence in the fear of God or the or fear in general being a greater motivator than the love of God. Right. Because I, I, I can't, you know, it's not my job to place condemnation on you. It's not my job to convict. The Holy Spirit does that. Our job is to present the gospel. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts. That over there speaks to their heart and says, just like their whole situation with Peter, mm-hmm. right? It is the goodness of God to draw them into mm-hmm. repentance. That, that's, that's what the words say. So the presentation of the gospel needs to be the gospel and allow the Holy Spirit to worry about the conviction so they can understand their need for the gospel. <laughs> That's that's the Holy Ghost job. Not you know, it ain't it ain't my job to bang you upside the head and make you feel condemned. But again, it depends on it it depends on what school of thought, what school of, of, of biblical teaching you come under. Because if you if you come under the school of, of, of teaching that believes, okay, if you are a real preacher of the of, of the good news, or you you know, you come up with that old covenant old pro old, old covenant prophetic model. Where it is your job to convict, condemn the people of their sin, to show them where they're wrong. Now, is it my job or is it the Holy Spirit's job to take the word and penetrate the heart? To speak to that individual, to let them understand their need for the gospel. And see, and that's the difference. Old covenant ministry versus new. Yeah, like that example that I gave, just you know, from my point of view, looking back, I go, that lady, we all can get into that where we go, like, we point our fingers because God got after me recently about that with some people. It's like, if you pray for them, you know, it's like Julie's was saying, it's like, you know, the Holy Spirit will show you what they, you know, what you know, what you need. The Holy Spirit's the one who does that. Is, um, I thought about that this lady had prayed for me. I, I do believe she was a believer. Um, spirit filled and stuff. I think you know. No, I know God would have showed us like, hey, this rich girl needs some love because I know exactly what I was thinking at the time and what I know now. And I go, I'd have never had whatever struggle if I'd known this and known this. I mean, you know, you just a starving person will eat anything. You know, like you know, and it, yeah. that's how I was at the time. And I go, it's mm-hmm. like if I know, but God has this great meal over here waiting for me. I would have been like, 
oh, you know, she'd be like, you know, God is good. What's going on, sweet? You know, that kind of thing, you know. Right. God, God got on my case in, you know, convictional way recently, um, this week, too, on my end. I go, you know, sometimes actors and actresses, celebrities, they'll come, I'm not trying to be mean, they'll look older than what they are because, you know, mm-hmm. you know lifestyles and stuff. And I sometimes I've said stuff like that, so it's not good. I used to think, I'm 33 now, I used to think when I look at, you know, folks, I'd be like, what do I have to look forward to? <laughs> it's terrible. I'm like, I don't look as old as I thought I would at this age. But anyway, mm-hmm. I had like, I was just thinking about it recently. I'm like, gosh, they look so old. I didn't know that they're my age and they look old. And then God was like, if you see people like that or you, you know, see that, pray for them. They are just like you, except without me. And I go like, so I mean, it was like a moment with God. I'm like, right. okay, God, I hear you. <laughs> you know? Right, right. Now I want to go back to what Kevin said earlier mediators right so abraham in in that whole scene was acting as a mediator for the people right all right so let's go to exodus 32 and we're going to look at another mediator in the old covenant exodus 32 we're going to look at verses 9 through 14 in the New Living Translation. I start at verse 9, Exodus 32. Then the Lord said, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Now leave me alone so my fierce anger can blaze against them and I will destroy them. Then I will make you, Moses, into a great nation. Verse 11. But Moses tried to pacify the Lord, his God. O Lord, he said, Why are you so angry? With your own people, whom you brought from the land of Egypt, with such great power and such a strong hand. Why let the Egyptians say their God rescued them with the the evil intent of slaughtering them in the mountains and wiping them from the face of the earth? Turn away from your fierce anger. Change your mind about this terrible disaster you have threatened against your people. Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You bound yourself with an oath to them, saying, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars of heaven, and I will give them all of this land that I have promised to your descendants, and they will possess it forever. So the Lord changed his mind about the terrible disaster he had threatened to bring on his people. Now, we see a lot in this scene here. Now, it's just, when, he, when he tells God, change your mind, like, well, how do you talk to the CEO of the universe like that? With that, if you, okay, we, with that much power, mm-hmm. right. okay, then create, you, you talking to the creator, you the creation, mm-hmm. and you tell him to change his mind. So, so what type of relationship did Moses have to have with the Lord? Mm-hmm. He's talking like this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I was following through with the King James Version, uh, and I see the word, I, I don't remember if you read it in New Living, but I see the word repent. Mm-hmm. I know you had started lesson with repent. So I'm assuming that this repent 
just means turn it, change your mind and then do it another way or change your mind and don't kill them. Right. Right. Okay. So could, I'm thinking about now and under the, under the new covenant in the gospels, I know in Matthew, Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, in Mark, um, when he empowered, Jesus empowered his uh, disciples. I think he said, you know, like, I think he said, like, go out and preach that men should repent. And then he, you know, had them perform the same miracles that he was doing earlier. Mm -hmm. So my question is, could it be that this definition of repent, could that be a problem that the church is having now? Meaning that, you know, I've heard in some denominations that it's like, well, but they do have to repent first, you know, but could that word repent, does it really just mean just turning, just go the other direction, you know, turn and believe this doctrine or turn and believe the gospel? Because you're not believing the gospel now. Mm -hmm. I'm just beckoning you to change your mind and believe it. So, and I guess, what is the Greek? repent i don't know that or greek just as uh, change your mind mm -hmm. okay the greek word for repent is change your mind mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. okay so right. that might be the answer to the question there <laughs> right but i'm struggling with that using this particular word it, it has it actually is one that i struggle with only because if god's the same yesterday today and forever I, I don't understand the changing the mind unless he already planned that into the program, mm -hmm. so to speak, it, that he knew how it was going to play out and he was revealing a part of, of his wrath towards sin, but that it, he, had, he already knew what he would do. Let's think about it. All right, let's just play. Yeah, it. please do, because I need to hear your thoughts. Okay. All right. So, and in, in, in that's exactly what I was thinking. Um, you know, when, when people hear that and that's, you know, that, that phrase repent is not associated with God, right? Mm -hmm. Because just like you referred to, he is the same yesterday, <clears throat> today, and forever. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm -hmm. Didn't say we are. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Think about it. Now, we know God's character is, is, is what? He is, he is, he not, he doesn't show love. He is love, mm -hmm. right? Mm-hmm. He is merciful. Now, under the old covenant, before sacrifice has been made, before sin has been paid for, the, pen, the just penalty for sin is what? Death. 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 Okay. So, in this whole scenario here, the people are guilty. And what is the just penalty for sin? Death. 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 Right? Yeah. Now, he is the same yesterday and today and forever. So, all Moses really is doing is acting as a human mediator 
of the true heart and intent of God anyway as a human vessel. What is his, what is his desire, his nature? Mercy, love. Mm. So this is not saying that God, quote unquote, made a mistake or, or changed his mind because his, his original intent didn't change. His character is the same. It's the conditions of the covenant that they were under. It's about the people. It ain't about him. So Moses in this position is being a mediator to actually actually exercise the will of God in spite of the transgression of the people. You hear what I'm saying? You see it? Now, let's tie this together. And we're going to see how, how Jesus is the, the mediator. Because Abraham and Moses were acting as types. Of Christ. Shadows. These shadows. Yeah. So let's go to Isaiah 59. Now this is going to be long. I'm, I'm, I'm going to read this whole chapter. Okay, we're going to read this whole chapter here. Yeah, Isaiah 59. Now in the Amplified Bible, the heading says separation from God. And... And the New Living Translation says that warnings against sin. All right. But, you know, separation from God is the Amplified's heading here. Starting at verse 1. All right, I'm going to read it in the Amplified because it is, I mean, in the New Living, because it's, it's so so plain. Okay. But I'm going I'm, I'm to look at the Amplified as well. Verses 1 through 3. Listen. The Lord's arm is not too weak to save you. Nor is his ear too deaf to hear your call. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. Your hands are the hands of murderers. Your fingers are filthy with sin. Your lips are full of lies. Your mouth spews corruption. Now, you see verse 1? And the Amplifier says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not too short that it can't save, nor his ear so impaired that he can't hear. So his will, his intent has always been relationship and always will be with his, with his creation. But what's the problem? The problem is that. Uh, creation. Yeah, creation. And? All right. So, so the sin that, that, that came in and brought the separation. All right. Let's look at verse four and keep reading. No one cares about it. Back to the New Living Translation. No one cares about being fair and honest. The people's lawsuits are based on lies. They conceive evil deeds and then give birth to sin. They hatch deadly snakes and weave spiders webs. Whoever eats their eggs will die. Whoever cracks them will hatch a viper. Their webs can't be made into clothing, and nothing they do is productive. All their activity is filled with sin, and violence is their trademark. Their feet run to do evil, and they rush to commit murder. They think about, they think only about sinning, and misery and destruction always follow them. They don't know where to find peace 
or what it means to be just and good. They have mapped out crooked roads and no one who follows them knows a moment's peace. Now see, you look at this. You see the, the, the progressive track of sin throughout mankind, right? So Adam's sin opened up the door to death, separation. All right, so let's keep reading. Verse nine. So there is no justice among us, and we know nothing about right living. We look for light, but find only darkness. We look for bright skies, but walk in gloom. We grope like the blind along a wall, feeling our way like people without eyes. Even at the brightest noontime, we stumble as though it were dark. Among the living, we are like the dead. We growl like hungry bears. We moan like mournful doves. We look for justice, but it never comes. We look for rescue, but it is far away from us. For our sins are piled up before God and testify against us. Yes, we know what sinners we are. We know we rebelled and have denied the Lord. We have turned our backs on, God, on our God. We know how unfair and oppressive we have been, carefully planning our deceitful lies. So you see the you see the progression of sin, right? And how it it, it touches every aspect of life. Verse fourteen: Our courts oppose the righteous, and justice is nowhere to be found. Truth stumbles in the streets, and honesty has been outlawed. Yes, truth is gone, and anyone who renounces evil is attacked. The Lord looked and was displeased to find there was no justice. All right, pause. Now you see how, again, the scriptures are reread before Abraham and Moses acting as mediators for the people. But... But the, the people continue to do what? Fall prey to sin. Continue to fall. Right? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to read that verse 15, the second half of that again. The Lord looked and was displeased to find there was no justice. Verse 16. He was amazed to see that no one intervened to help the oppressed. So he himself stepped in to save them with his strong arm and his justice sustained him. All right, who y'all think he's talking about? <clears throat> Verse 17. He put on righteousness as his body armor and placed the helmet of salvation on his head. You think the Apostle Paul read this? Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> He clothed himself with a robe of vengeance and wrapped himself in a cloak of divine passion. He will repay his enemies for, the, for their deeds. His fear will fall on his foes and he will pay them back even to the ends of the earth. In the West, people will respect the name of the Lord. In the East, they will glorify him. For he will come like a raging flood tide driven by the breath of the Lord. The Redeemer will come to Jerusalem to pay to buy back those in Israel 
who have turned from their sins, says the Lord. Verse 21. And this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit will not leave them, and neither will these words I have given you. They will be on your lips and on the lips of your children and your children's children forever. I, the Lord, have spoken. Mm-hmm. So you see, the people of Israel had temporary mediators in Abraham and Moses. But we have the, the everlasting. everlasting mediator, the redeemer. Then after all that, the first verse on, on, on 60, Arise, shine, before your light is come. I mean, it flows right in with it. For the glory of the Lord rises mm-hmm. yes. to shine yes. on you. I love what Andrew Walmart will talk about too, where he says that, um, you know, like when God punished people in the old covenant, he wasn't doing it because he hated them. He just, he hated sin. You know, it was like he likened it. And this like changed that part of my life thinking about it when Andrew talked about it. It was like disciplining a child, you know, when they're a little child, you can't tell them like, hey, you know what, if you lie, you know, this is going to cause this consequence in your life and you'll be in a marriage and it may cause this. He goes, you have to like tell like a three-year-old, hey, if you do this, you just think you're hiding, you know, I'm going to do this and whatever, you know. And he goes like, that's how it had to be the old covenant. They didn't understand the things we understand now on the new covenant. So God had to use punishment to stop them from doing things that would hurt them. You know, and, um, you know, that now it's different, you know, it's the heart, you know, and he would, you know, write the commandments on our hearts and stuff and go through Jesus. So that, that made so much sense. And I'm like, because we're bothering him, like, God, you, you know, you know, it was Andrew says, it's like, you know, God's not a schizophrenic God, you know, <laughs> he doesn't change, you know. So it had to be, there was a reason behind that. And it was, you know, that's why. But now, you know, he, you know, goes, you know, it's a relationship. I don't know, I remember coming up, you know, even with the scripture we used, um, you know, Jesus is the same forever, you know, today, today yesterday, and forever. And, mm-hmm. and so, but they use that scripture to reference how, how God was in the Old Testament with killing people and yeah. punishing them when they did wrong. Right, and they tied it together and said, see, you know, he's a God the same thing. I remember listening the other day a guy talking about how he was comparing, I'm not going to get into all that, but you know, I just say, he was saying, okay, God is, was the same as day to day and forevermore. Okay, so he was, they keep the sacrifices, you know, all the, um, what do you call those things? The little the Passover, the feast, the feast, the feast, yeah, the feast <laughs> keep all those. And but he was referring to how Christians like us we celebrate Easter and Christmas and all that kind of stuff, and and those are not quote unquote in the Bible per se, but the feasts are. And so, and like I said, even when coming up, you know, y'all know y'all came up, you know, you you said something. They felt like, was it pleasing God? Well, God gonna strike you dead. Or you <coughs> don't say that, you know, you act a certain way in church, you know, you may fall out, you know. And so it's, the fear was there. It's like, yeah, God gonna strike you dead if you didn't act like that, mm-hmm. you know. And of course, we still hear the same, God don't like ugly. 
we're being like ugly then a lot of us none of us right <laughs> none of us would be us here would be. so we, we would all be saying, they use that scripture to reference how god is saying death and better war and they refer that back to the old covenant where he was doing destroying and swapping away one story swallowing people up and that, you, that used to bother me and then when i got studying about uh the fallen angels and how he had to have the flood to get rid of hybrids that were part fallen angel, part human. Mm -hmm. And when he sent people into some of these cities to kill everybody, women, children, everybody, it's because most of these people had been contaminated with, with uh, you know, the fallen angels. Mm -hmm. I mean, to the point where you had to flood the whole earth. But what it is, is and I think the first time I heard somebody talk about it, how I think it was Creflo Dollar, he says, we're not supposed to mix the covenants. And see, it was mixture. I grew up with a lot of mm -hmm. mixture. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, and then, so, it, but then it makes God sound schizophrenic. Mm -hmm. Well, one way he's this way, and you say he's out of love, but yet, you know, if I miss the mark, then he's going to kill me. And so you, you're going back and forth. That's like we said know? before, a lot of preachers use condemnation to control. Right. So, so if you, if you smoke or chew or hang with those that do, you're all going to hell. Right. If you wear earrings, I heard one guy talk about earrings and, Women shouldn't wear short sleeve blouses. Right. And then he talked about mixed swimming. I didn't know what that was. I was like, mixed, what is mixed swimming? He said, that's when men and women swim in the same pool. That's a sin. And I thought, man, I've been sinning all my life. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I'm probably going to sin again in the future. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just saying when I heard that term, you know, God is saying just it, mm -hmm. it was always used in the reference of don't forget about the old covenant God where he killed people, got angry, and got you made a man enough and he did this because he's going to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, and of course, even now, I think Andrew Ruffmere, you know, when we see things happen in the earth where God is judging us now, he's judging America, or he's judging because. You know, America ain't what it's supposed to be, so he's allowing this to happen, he's allowing this to happen. So if mm -hmm. we don't get straight, you know, and so if, if the you know, if we as Christians, we gotta bombard heaven and beg God not to, you know, do this or stop this because we're just so bad. God hasn't started any judgment in America yet. The land is groaning under the weight of sin. Right. When, if God's judgment starts, everybody's going to be running for caves. I mean, but, but judgment has two sides. If it if it, if it comes, it's going to be it's righteous, you're going to know it. The you're righteous not going to are judged and they receive reward. Right. The wicked are judged and they receive. They're just they do due, justice. Right. Justice, right, right. right. So I think it comes down to like the the filter in which people are seeing the Old Testament, and someone mentioned you know, um, pastors using this to control. And I think that's what it is. Cause if you study, like when I read the old Testament and especially the more I studied it, the more I saw mercy, the more I saw grace, mm -hmm. the more I saw compassion, just like what we were reading here in Isaiah, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, God was always calling them to repentance and God would have at any point that they repented, God was always there to respond and, and the, the, to stop whatever punishment was going on. I mean, there was not, God was not enjoying this punishment. It was something that as a holy, just God, especially in, had to act within the covenant that they had. And the covenant was, they said they would obey, you know, and, um, and that these were, and it was what they had agreed to, you know? And so it was, it was part of what God used that law to tutor them so that when Christ came, 
they could recognize him and receive him. That was, that was the purpose. And, you know, it was a, a tutor to lead them to Christ. And so that whole thing was always to point to Christ. And, um, you know, it, I think it's always about that filter. It's about, do you really understand the covenant that they're under at the time? And do you understand, you know, how God's relating to them? The fact that he doesn't want this, you know, cause I heard that kind of preaching from pastors and I started reading with a different filter in the Old Testament. And then later, as I was kind of getting washed, cleansed of that, as I'm like reading through this stuff again and studying covenant, going, I did a precept study on covenant. And it just opened my eyes to the whole thing of like, this is this is all grace. The, the whole way through, it's all grace. It's the same God. He is the same yesterday, today, and together. It's just a matter of how, how you view the Old Testament God affects how you view the New Testament God, you know? And so if you, if you, interpret it rightly you see that it, it is truly the same god and he is love and he is seeking that all men come to repentance you know that all are saved that's that's his will well, i love what natalie's saying because you know, I'm, I'm reading ezekiel and and when you read ezekiel i mean god is like he's talking about what israel did and how he's i'm gonna do this and he, you know he's telling ezekiel son of man tell him this I'm gonna get you because they did this, 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 and son of man. But like she said, okay, I'm reading from different lists. I mean, I got my my grace glasses on. Mm -hmm. But even all that, he always, when you're reading, he always go back and say, "But okay, this is gonna happen. But you know what? At this point, I'm gonna restore Israel. I'm gonna restore Israel back then. I'm gonna give him back. I'm gonna give take him back to the land where I brought him. So, you know." He's, you know, like you said, on the covenant, that was what it was. But when you you continue reading, he's always talking about restoring Israel, bringing them back to what it used to be, you know, putting them back where it used to be, you know. But according to I the did covenant, a, I did a study on Israel one time for hours and hours and hours. And at the end, my I said, what is wrong with these people? Right. They, they prosper and do well when they did what was right in the sight of God. And then all of a sudden they blow everything. And then they start going down the hill. And then they'd come back again. God was merciful over and over. And I was reading about it and thinking, man, if I was God, I think I'd have went after him a little harder. <laughs> you know? These these folks, they didn't know when they had it good. Yeah. But he always I'd say, good. welcome to America. Yeah. <laughs> We're in the same boat. Good. Yeah. But uh, the verse that keeps coming back to me with, with all this too is Second Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise mm -hmm. as some some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And that's what I see through the Old Testament Amen. over and over yes. and over again. Um, that that shows his real nature in all of that. And, and that patience is what he exhibited, I think, with Abraham and Moses. That's good. And looking at the end from the beginning, He's looking at the bride, and everything he does is for the prosperity of the bride and out of his love for the bride. Mm -hmm. That's good. This is good to know. Anything God did, and this, I mean, anything God did in the Old, New Testament, everything, to learn it. And I'm still learning every day. We still are learning it every day. He always did it because he loved us. Mm -hmm. Even if it doesn't make sense, like a scripture. When you know his character, it's like, you know what, God, I don't, mom taught me this, like, shelf of scripture, if you don't understand, you know, just ask God to show you in time, you know, it's like, 
if you read it, like, God, you know, I don't understand what this means right now, but I know you love me. I know you love everybody. Yeah, air on the side of love. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like one day, I mean, it's been so many scriptures, you know, I know we've all looked at it, and you're like, I don't know what that means, but God, you'll show me in time. And then, like, two months later, ah, oh, now I get it now. <laughs> but you always hear, you know, and it's the temptation. You always, I mean, for me, I always hear stuff for, I meet people, talk to people. They always want to take you back to that, that, you know, God, he, he you know, he can't stand this, he's punishing this, and they always want to, you know, that, they always want to revert back to the, your old way of thinking. And God is not this God of love. And so, and, and so, and, and don't get me wrong, when you see stuff that's wrong, you know, God wants to tell people, you know, that's not right. That's not what the Bible says. And God disagrees with that. He's not pleased with that. But at the same time, like you said, you, you say it with a, a, a you know, with a spirit of love and says, okay, you know what, that's not right. And I go back to what you said, if I've learned if it's not, if you're not motivated to change by love, it's not going, it's not going, nine times it's not going to stick. It's not going to stick. You're not, it's not going to last. You're just going to pretty much revert back to what you normally do because it's not motivated by love. But if you change because you love God, and as we talked about, you understand that I want this intimate relationship with him and you understand the Father and his character, then the motivation is going to be love. But anything outside of that, it's not going to be In that Old Testament, Old Covenant mindset, yeah. laws, rules, regulations, there are people that just choose to live that way right. because faith is messy. Grace <clears throat> is messy. It's not clear cut. Yeah, elaborate on that. What do you mean by grace is messy? There's no clear-cut rules for grace. Like there are, do this, don't do that. I've always wondered if these people that are being drawn into the leaving what we know to go back under the laws of Judaism. To me, the only thing that makes sense is, well, it doesn't take a lot of faith to do that. You have these rules and regulations and you celebrate this on this day and you eat this and you don't eat that and everything's clear cut, rules, rules, rules and you don't have to step out in faith. Yeah. It's just rules. It require any faith, doesn't right? require you don't have faith. To talk to God and that's about easy yeah. and you don't have to make decisions about grace. No, it's a law. It's a rule. That's so clear cut and some people are comfortable. Of... They're comfortable in that and they don't want to that makes a lot of sense. When I, when I used to share with drug addicts. I don't know what the draw is. Other than that, who, yeah. who would want the can't, can't, don't, don't. I would share with drug addicts and, and they'd say, I'm not going to church until I get clean for 30 days. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, no, get high and come to church. And they'd say, why? I said, because you can't stop on your own anyway. As you start serving God, the desire to do that stuff will leave. You can't just step up to the plate and say, well, what I couldn't do for the last 20 years, I'm going to do now, and then I'm going to church. I said, no, come to church. Yeah, that kind of made me think of a post I saw on Facebook recently. I'm not going to deep detail, but it was about clothing in regards to females, and it was about youth group. And it was a total extreme from what I was taught earlier on. But I got to sit there and think about it. I go, you know what? One says go this way, one belief system. One says go way over this, and I go... I agree with both. I go, you know what, God? I go, it comes to relationship with God, you know? One, you know, denomination may say, you need to wear this clothes, have this jewelry, do this, like we were talking about earlier. And then one may say, you need to do this and this. And I go, okay, maybe they have a revelation. Some, I think, it's been, you know, 
the rules and regulations, but I go, you know, it's true. I don't know what you mean, Miss Terry. It's like that. It's like, you know, it takes faith. It takes, God, what do you think? In your heart. Yeah, it takes a relationship. It takes hearing or, from God. Not living by. My book of doctrine book says this, you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When you talking about clothes, when I lived in Virginia Beach, there was a girl riding in front of me on a bicycle, and she stood up to pedal. I believe she was naked. I didn't know they had a bathing suit with a string in the back that disappears. I mean, she stood up, and I went, "Oh man, somebody needs somebody needs to get this woman off the street." I didn't know. I didn't know that that they had bathing suits like that. Yeah. Now I want to go back to, you know, what Natalie was talking about, how, you know, at your perception of the character of God and who God is, it opens up your ability to, to see the entirety of the scripture. And you can see grace, you can see mercy, you can see Jesus from mm -hmm. Genesis to Revelation, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And this is what opens the door for, for us to have the type of relationship that God desires. Now, I want us to count to look at something. Let's go to Luke 24. Luke 24, I'm going to start at verse 25. Now, this is the Jesus and the walk to Emmaus. I'm going to start at verse 25, go down to verse 34. And the New Living Translation reads like this. It says, Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us, since it is getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it, and then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and at that moment he disappeared. Now, you see what happened? when they saw Jesus in the scripture, they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. He took them through the Old Testament prophets. And all of it was concerning what? Himself. And this is why, this is how you see properly the interpretation of the Old Testament. You got to look through Jesus. If you look at it through him, then your eyes will be opened. The, the paradoxes, the, contra the supposed contradictions, they go away. But you can't take him out of the equation. I got a question. I know in reference to what I was saying, like this, not studying this, I know some people have answers before, but you know, some people say, well, you know, we. We're not, we're not on the law, we're on the grace. And some people will respond, well, you know what? The Ten Commandments were under the law. So do we throw them away? And so. It, and it's really, it, it's not really even a question to ask 
because if you think about it, and because all that is still it's still based on externals, external control, external reference. Because at the end of the day, what is our guide post? Who is our guide post? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. He's not gonna leave you. So the law is written on in, on the side of your heart, right? Mm -hmm. So us renewing our minds, well, to what who God is and what He has said is gonna allow us to better hear from him to allow our the, allow our spirit man the holy spirit within us to express himself through us as we are renewing our minds because mm -hmm. and, and if you love him and your neighbor all the commandments are fulfilled right and where does that come from spirit see again it's this whole war of external control versus internal guidance mm -hmm. Where are we going? Where, where, who, where is going to be? Who has the master control? The, the external rules and regulations or allowing the Holy Spirit on the inside of us to guide our day-to-day -day decision making. And to my point, that's hard to teach, right? Rules and regulations are easy. Right. That's textbook. Right. Mm -hmm. This, and I think a lot of pastors, God bless them, they just don't know. They may not even be living by the by the by being led by the Spirit. Right. And, and so, how do you teach something you don't <clears throat> you don't even know yourself? Right. It's easier to teach, and like you said, and it ends up controlling people. But yes, easy to control people that way. Just say, you know, hey, here it is. Point to that. Versus, right, being led by the Holy Spirit. That means, go back to what we said earlier, that means relationship. Yeah. In order to be led by the Holy you can have a relationship. I got to commune with Him. And there's no formula for teaching. How do you hear from God? Well, there's different ways, but there's right. nothing, there's no blueprints that are so mm -hmm. precise that everybody can follow and take a little test and get their score. It's, that's, like that's what I mean by messy. It's, that's right. It's okay. nebulous, right? It's harder to right. get hold of. Right. Because, and hard to because your your there's there's a there's a risk you're going to be wrong, yeah. you know, in learning how to follow the voice of God. Yeah. It's scary. Go. Yes. Right. There you See? go. Yeah. Anytime you do something for God, you got to walk through fear to get there. I don't care what it is. If he tells you to talk to somebody in a restaurant, you got to walk through the fear to get to it. Because mm -hmm. your journey is custom fit for you, mm -hmm. and every step you take, he already has a defined pathway to get you to where he wants you to go you know but that 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 internal gps is not something that other people can direct and see that's between you and the holy spirit recently i was thinking about it i actually found i think i found it in my stuff my papers i had um when i almost went crazy with religion like it's been like three years ago i was starting to starting to heal from it a little bit but anyways Thank you, Jesus. But um, I was in the middle of my office where I was working um, a little outlet store. There was nobody in there. I was just, there was not much to do. I was sitting in my office and I'm just like, God, I go, this was heavy on my heart anyway. I'm like, I go, do's and don'ts, this, that, you know, all this stuff. It just crashed in my life at that time. And I'm like, I don't understand. You know, I just thought God sucked and he wanted to have anything. And literally, I felt like God just kind of like grabbed me by the shoulders in a gentle way and just goes, listen, focus on life. Focus on flourishing. It was an exact statement, and I wrote it on a sticky note, and I actually mm -hmm. still have it. And it, it did start a, a thinking in me. It was like, 
literally, if you look at all the commandments, you look at any of the stuff, it was, if God told us not to do something, it was, oh, not harm us. It was something general, I mean, not generally, it was. It was something that would harm us or harm others. Trying to keep us safe. And then that started a heart thing with me. It's like, if, you know, it's like, I've never took anything from you. Can I get to the bathroom back without a key? Yeah, that door down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, that's how, you know, it, it just, it really started to, you know, get my thinking going on, you know, God just wanted the best, you know, for, you know, everybody, you know, me, everybody, wow, you know, but it's like, you know, I'm saying, you know, relationship, you know, <laughs> talking to God, you're like, what about that? <laughs> you going to come down and let me in? Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. I'm looking for mm. let's go to Romans Romans 6 and and I'm on Let's look at verses 11 through 14. Because this is that whole, it talks about, I'm going to just read it. I'm reading Amplified, Romans 6, 11 through 15. It says, even so, consider yourselves also dead to sin and your relation to it broken, but alive to God living in unbroken fellowship with him in Christ Jesus. Let not sin, therefore, rule as king in your mortal, short-lived, perishable bodies to make you yield to his cravings and be subject to his lusts and evil passions. Do not continue offering or yielding your bodily members and faculties to sin as instruments, tools of wickedness, but offer and yield yourselves to God as though you have been raised from the dead to perpetual life in your bodily members and faculties to God, presenting them as implements of of righteousness. For sin shall not any longer exert dominion over you, since now you are not under law as slaves, but under grace as subjects of God's favor and mercy. Now you see verse 14. It's a declaration there. For sin shall not any longer exert dominion over you. Then there's a comma. Why does a sin no longer exert dominion over us? Because we are not under law, but under grace, as subjects of God's favor and mercy. That's why. And see, the thing about this like we were all saying, when you when you present the full gospel, the totality of it, the 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 control, the domination, the the self control, so to speak, all of that is 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 futile to exercise true holiness. It takes what? The Holy Spirit operating through us to be, to walk 
as Paul is talking about here. And following external rules is not going to get you there. Romans 6, 1, 15. Verse 15. I'm going to read. What then are we to conclude? Shall we sin because we live not under law but under God's favor and mercy? What does Paul say here? Certainly not. Do you not know that if you continually surrender yourselves to anyone to do his will, you are the slaves of him whom you obey? Whether that be to sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness. Now see, it's giving the, he, Paul is saying, okay, the physical body is the instrument. So the will, like where where am I going to draw my direction from? The old nature, the, the, the old programming, or the spirit. But if I have no, if I am not being renewed in my identity in Christ Jesus of who I truly am, I'm going to have, I'm going to continue to walk through that hamster wheel or that struggle of trying to do things in my own strength, what Paul talks about Romans 7. Well, I'm trying to use, I'm trying to be holy by the arms of my flesh. But I think people, I know when it comes to grace, people say, you know, and this is the mindset of those who want to control, says, well, <coughs> if I teach grace like Paul taught it, then people are just going to and I've heard you of course you hear this that people are just going to say okay well I'm going to do it because God forgive me and so you know what I'm going to do this because I'm going to know I'm forgiven I'm going to do that because I know I'm forgiven or I can talk this way because I know I'm forgiven and so they, they have that mindset and says hey mm -hmm. if I don't teach the other way then I'm leaving them to just thank God that it doesn't matter how they live. But like you just said, true holiness. You're going to lose your holiness. The Holy Spirit's it's going to lead you to holiness. It's going to lead you. Because you, the, 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 the reality is you're not preaching the totality of the gospel if you're not being accused of that anyway. Because right. that's, that's what Paul is responding to in his letter. Mm -hmm. Right? So, are we going to try to live in mixture? Or do we want to abide in the grace as it, as, as, as it is presented in the New Testament? I think a really big problem, too, in the church today is it's all based on heaven or hell, which, you know, I'll, I'll always say this, and y'all have heard me say it before when we talk about it, it's like, that is important, of course, you know, but it's like, you know, instead of teaching relationship, you know, it's always, well, okay, you know, the same thing. They said, hell, 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 hell. It's like, well, okay. Then you realize, hey, you know, Jesus forgave me. You know, I'm going to heaven. It's like, there's other aspects to, you know, sin. You know, like Paul was talking about, you know, it's like, there's consequences. You know, that, you know, if you yield yourself, you know, like it says in the King James Version, you know, to servants of sin, but you, you know, you know what I'm saying, you wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, you're a slave to sin, basically. And it's like, we don't teach. It's always, oh, you know, as long as I'm going to hell, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And, um, you know, not realizing like, you know, unforgiveness, I'll, I'll use it as an example for me, 
for so long, I would think I was going to hell and I had forgiveness in my heart. And I realized, thank God through Andrew, you know, listening to him, that, oh my gosh, okay, I'm not going to hell. I'm forgiven, you know, whatever. But then I, I didn't, I was starting to listen to him at the time. I didn't know because he teaches really hard on do not have unforgiveness because it can open the door to Satan. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that at the time. I'm like, well, yeah, it's I, he, you know, I have, I have like a lot of bitterness that I had closed off because I thought it was sending me to hell, but it was really there. And anyways, it opened the door to some not good stuff. And I go, that's where God was trying to get to me. It's like, it's hurting you, like Mom was saying, you know. <laughs> and then like, right. we taught that more that it's not just hell, 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 hell. It's like there's things on the surf, there's relationships, and, you know, I think that would help. But the scripture to back up what you, what they were used to, what you just talked about and I was talking about. Yeah, yeah. The description, I think, is one of the gospel where it says, mm-hmm. where if you don't forgive, yeah. the mm-hmm. Father will not forgive you. Oh, yeah. yes. oh, Once again, we're talking about covenant. Yeah. On the, under yeah. the old covenant, yeah, that may be true, yeah. you know, but even then, when you study, it's now the point out, you study, God always, He, it is yeah, a punishment for what they did. If, if, if you believe that, right. if you believe that in the New Testament, you have to say to yourself, what Jesus did on Calvary wasn't enough. Exactly. I have to add my forgiveness of everybody in order to go to heaven. And that's almost blasphemous. What he did was complete and finished and done. You can't add to it, you can't take away from it. Well, see, but what I'm saying, you're exactly right, but they were pointing. This is what it says. I know. They say it's in red. All the time. People preaching this. And they say it's in red. It's in red. So Jesus said it. Then everything he said didn't apply to born again folk. Right. And so if you understand pre-cross, okay, Jesus was a prophet. Okay, this is what it was under the law of Moses. Yeah. Okay. You you wouldn't have forgiven, but now that he has. As Jews were appeased, you know, he's been satisfied. The wrath of God has been satisfied with what Jesus did for all. Okay, now that doesn't apply to the believer, yeah. okay? It doesn't apply because it's like, okay, he already redeemed us from that. He's taking care yeah, of that because of what he did. Yeah, it goes on to say in Ephesians, I have to look up the reference, but you know, it was on. Forgiving each other, even as Christ has forgave yeah, you, right? That's, it's that's, that's, that's the new covenant. Yep. Right. Paul didn't, he didn't say, you know, well, you don't forgive. No, he yeah. says, give as Christ has forgiven. Yeah. He's yeah. given them. Man, once we start, he's talking about relationship. If yeah. you understand what you've been forgiven for, right? Then you forgive. So he right. gives them opportunity to say, okay, right. Walk in love, mm-hmm. right? And let me jump in to, 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 to tie all this up. I'm closing Galatians three. Start at verse 19 and read the rest of the chapter. Galatians 3. See, this is spilling over to the Virginia Beach study. We talking about grace. We supposed to be talking about prayer. <laughs> 3 and what? 19. And I'll be coming from the New Living Translation. Why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. God gave his law through angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. Now, a mediator is helpful if more than one party must reach an agreement. But God, who was one, did not use a mediator when he gave his promise to to Abraham. Is there a, a conflict? Then between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not. 
if the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. Before the, before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. And it protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as a guardian. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. For you all, one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. All right. All right. So, if you have questions about the law, look at verse 23. And how it is, it is, is, it uses the phrase in the New Living, we were kept in protective custody, mm -hmm. so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. So without the Holy Spirit, man needs a fence. Mm -hmm. He needs boundaries. And that's what the law does. Mm -hmm. And verses uh, one, and, 1 and 2. Oh, you fools, Galatians, who's bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ has, has been evidently set forth crucified among you. This only would I learn of you. Receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by faith. And then he calls them fools again. Mm, right, because the Judaizers were, cre were creating yeah. the mixture. Yeah. Jesus plus X, Y, Z. Is the way to receive the promise, right? Right. But we, but we all know biblical math works like this. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Right. All right, Facebook family. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. Bye guys. Bye. Bye. See y'all later. Bye.